Shut up and sit down. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm Katie. And we are the, the Badger, Badger Bonds. Two best friends adventuring through the world of lady stuff, one episode at a time. We don't give medical advice, and we don't seek for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having at bars anyway. Hi. Hello. Hello. What's up? Nothing. We're just uh, chilling here. Just another cold and blustery day here in Stockholm. Corbin's still gone. I'm excited for her to get back. When do you come back, Corbin? Tell the tell the audience. In two episodes. Two episodes. That's how yep. we count our lives now. Counting this yeah. one. Yeah. So this one, the next one, and then you'll be back. Yeah. In the room with us. That's exciting. In the room where it's happening, if you will. Yep. Um I went to the Swedish History Museum this weekend. Hey. How was that? Uh, it was good. It was free, so that was nice. Uh, I learned about the Vikings. Nice. Yeah, a lot of human sacrifices going on. Well. Yeah. Who can blame them? <laughs> yeah. I just read it a thing on the time. BuzzFeed that the Vikings had the equivalent of rap battles <laughs> where they what? would like fight each other in like poetic verse quickly. Mm. I didn't read about that, but that doesn't mean it's not true. I did skip a lot of it because sometimes you just get a little bored reading all the things, you know? Just want to look at the pictures. Yeah. I think museums are made to like, you can kind of just like pick what you want to learn the most about. You're not supposed to read everything. Uh, But they've, from what I can tell, they've dug up a lot of graves. Yeah. So that's kind of where most of the stuff comes from. It's kind of interesting though, because there's like stuff from all over the world. But they like dug up yeah. because you know Vikings. So, yeah, and interesting. Cool. You know, apropos of nothing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Have you ever watched the TV show Fortitude? Nope. Um, <laughs> one of uh, one of our faculty at Iowa actually recommended me to watch this show. Yeah, you have to. It's so good. What? What? So Fortitude. Okay, Fortitude is a town in the Arctic. Okay. Um, It's uh, you know, has in a very picturesque location. Mm -hmm. Um, Small town, tight knit community. Um, Never any violent crime, but uh, then that changes, of course. And uh, there's this investigation and all this kind of stuff. It's just a great. It's a BBC production. It's a great television show. Great mystery show. There's a little bit of um, um, sort of sci-fi weirdness to it, mm. but it, the characters are just fine. I, I just loved it. And when, you know, whenever Corbin, I've, I've been resisting the urge to connect Fortitude with Corbin's trip to, mm, <laughs> to Stockholm it. because it's not quite in the same location. But um, yeah, like when you say Arctic, is this like Canada or like? No, this is like uh, like nor uh, you know like northern Europe. Arctic. Okay, so like in Scandinavia. Yes, like northern Norway. Or yes, something. yes. I gotcha. Super north. I gotcha. I wish I would have had time to go to the north. I just didn't because it's like a long train ride. Yeah. Yeah. How long would it be? Do you think like like, like I mean it would be a like day a day or, or yeah yeah. 
which is hard when you only have like a weekend off yeah. you know well yeah, you'll just have to you'll just have to make do with trips to the history museum yeah which i'll is, just have to come back and go to the north yeah. yeah i know we wanted to go to the archipelago too i think right that, yeah but we, mm, we didn't yeah. end up going there there's um i mean it's kind of interesting because there's like another like the like sami culture mm -hmm. is the like northern nomadic reindeer herding it's historically in, reindeer herding people it's the indigenous culture and so i think well, yeah it, yes i mean it's not indigenous in the way that we think of indigenous though because i mean we're talking about sweden is a country that's been settled for you know like it, we're just talking about different lanes of migration essentially yeah. so i mean it's indigenous but also like swedish people are like you know they go back very far too so yeah. they all you know and like the sammy they're not like constrained to like sweden it's also like norway and russia and stuff like that so um but the way that they at least from my understanding anyway but i i just want to know more about the like how the cultures like well Plus, right. Have like come up, come across each other, and like because when I was learning about the Vikings, actually, they were talking about how the Viking religion was influenced by the Sami religion, and um, they interacted, and there's like a big role f of like prophets in both religions, and actually, in the Sami religion, the prophets would like go between like male and female, mm -hmm. and. Like they found a burial site where uh, one of the prophets was, uh, I guess I should say priest. I don't know. Prophet, uh, prophet's probably a better word, but um, was buried in like traditional women's clothing, but, but also like men's clothing. And so that's how they figured it was a priest prophet. Yeah. Huh. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is interesting. What would a traditional Viking rap battle be like? You know, like. What do they what do they rap about? Their conquests? Their Yeah. One person brags about their reindeer herd. Okay. The other person brags about their boat. Yeah. That's I don't know. freaking awesome. Uh, it was like a I would like feed. to I would like to hear a Viking rap battle know, recreated. That would be super awesome. Yeah. Uh, talk about the blood price or whatever, you know, cuz that's where you had to like pay people if you hurt someone. You had yeah. to like pay them or their family. If Money. you um if you want to know about Norse mythology, you should read the book Norse Mythology by oh, I just lost his name. A Neil Gaiman. Oh. It's very good. It's like a very easy to read. Is it nonfiction? Stories of well, in that Norse mythology is Yeah. questionably. Oh, I mean I mean it's it's intended to be No, a... it's like the story he like writes the stories. Oh, okay. Of, yeah, but I, it's, I mean, Neil but it's Gaming. like super easy to read, and like I read the whole thing on like the trip back to America. Love Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I know he's a he's super author, cool. Yeah. Anyway, super also cool. um the there's like a series by uh the guy who wrote Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Oh right. What's his name? R Rick Riordan. Rick Riordan. Yeah. Riordan. Yeah. Riordan. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody want to know what I did last night? Sure. Okay. I do. What about you, Corbin? <laughs> do you care what I do? I do. 
it's our segue, so you do care. I went to the vagina monologue. Oh. That's what we're going to talk about today. All right. Let's talk about the vagina monologue. I was so inspired that I decided we needed to do a podcast episode about it. Also, because, well, this was my first time being at the, like, going to the vagina monologues. Um, and, uh, which is, like, surprising well, that this is my first time. I mean, we do it it's every like, year at the college. Right up my alley. Yeah. Um, but it's because our friend Kate was in it and she, I mean, that's not the only reason why I went, but she was very, very good in it. Um, but before I came to Iowa city, I had no idea what the vagina monologues were. So I, and then, um, also we have a friend staying with us this weekend and he was like, what is that? And I was like, well, let me tell you. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just do a podcast about it. I would like to say that, uh, once, uh, when the production was here in Murph, I was asked to make a poster to advertise it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the 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 organizers were nice enough to give me a uh, certificate of thank you for 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 that, which meant that I got to hang it up in my wall and have the word vagina on my wall oh, yeah. in my office, uh, which was pretty cool. It was a good conversation starter. That is awesome. Nothing like a vagina to start a conversation. Yeah, man. Also, I don't mean to interrupt, but I looked it up and the same people are actually considered um, indigenous people by the UN. So anyway, I don't know. There we go. Well, I'm glad you clarified it. Perhaps maybe because it's a different culture from like the like Swedish government. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I'm glad you clarified because we don't want all those uh, samey people calling us up to... uh, I want them to uh, <laughs> I am curious though. I want to I'm gonna do more research about this later. Not right. right now, obviously. Okay. Vagina monologues. Okay, so um I'll just do like a brief overview first for people who've never heard of it, and then I'll go like deeper into it. So but basically the vagina monologues are a spoken word um play type piece that um has multiple different monologues, obviously, um, that are performed by either this, all by the same person or by different people that focus on women and their views on their bodies, their vaginas, and um, different issues that have to do with being a woman in the world. So there's like different parts of world culture that are in it. Um, my, my impression of it, uh, uh, and I've been to one, yeah. So it may be done different ways, but my impression is it's it's really readers' theater. It's not. Yeah. They, they don't memorize lines really. Right. You're, you're usually reading. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a little flavor of how. It's yeah. So like everyone, you know, it's like the classic. Like you have a black folder and you're reading your lines. Yeah. Um, but it's still. I mean, it's still like the dramatic reading yeah. of like you are not just monotonally reading. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, it's very good. So the. Um, so the official from Wikipedia description, the vagina monologues is an episodic play. Um, it was written by Eve Ensler in 1996. So basically, um, she was like talking to some friends about their vaginas, their bodies and asking them some of these questions and, um, you know, she would get answers from them and then also get like, a, oh, you should ask this person because they have a really interesting like commentary or whatever. Um, and so it turned into she ended up doing 
uh, interviews with 200 women about their views on sex, relationships, and violence against women. Um, she was interviewed by women.com, and she said, women's empowerment is deeply connected to their sexuality, uh, unquote. And, I mean, that's kind of what the whole monologues is about, is the different ways that women connect with their sexuality to like make them feel empowered basically so um the first time it was performed she performed all of the monologues herself and since then it has been dispersed and done a multitude of different ways um including in 2004 it was done for the first time by an all trans cast of characters Mm. um but in 1998, two years after she first pre- previewed it, they she started this organization called V-Day, um, which is a movement to stop violence against women. And I'm going to talk about it more uh, at the end, I think. Uh, but basically, um, the monologues themselves are all personal. They each deal with um, personal as in like they're not all from a single person. So like there's some that are like a single person story. There's some that are like a a chorus of people um, basically giving different answers to different questions from the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, um, there's like a list of topics. So, um, so they each deal with the aspect of the feminine experience, like sex, sex work, body image, love, rape, menstruation, female genital mutilation, masturbation, birth, orgasms, names for the vagina, and physical aspects of the body. Um, And I included a list of some of the pieces just to, like, get a little bit more of a idea of what they're all about. Um, But first, Corbs, how many times have you seen it? Maybe four. Four times, yeah. When you saw different, like, do they do different ones every time? Were there like different people? Um, I think I remember the same ones. Uh, yeah, I think I remember the same ones always. But oh, there might have been another one added to one I saw. I think they've pr- pretty consistently been similar. Yeah. So from what I read, they like stay consistent, but then every year she's written a new monologue. But they're not always like. Obviously, like, they're not each performed every year um, because that would be a lot of different ones. Um, But so some ones that I have written down. So um, one titled, I was 12, my mother slapped me. Um, This one is like a chorus part describing many young women's and girls' first menstrual period. Um, There's a piece called Hair in which a woman discusses how her husband cheated on her because she refused to shave her pubic hair. Um... And she like went to a couple's counseling and ultimately saw that whether or not she chose to shave or not, her husband basically like was going to do this anyway. Um, And she concludes that the hair is there for a reason. Um, There's one called My Angry Vagina uh, in which a woman rants about the injustices wrought against the vagina, um, such as tampons, douches, and the tools used by OBGYNs, which... Um, okay, so maybe I should talk about, like, why we did this last night. Um, so the, I think it's the school, I don't know if they are, like, officially, if it's officially the school that puts it on here. No. It's the med students it's the for med choice. Students it's the med, for choice. Oh, med students for choice. Okay, yeah, thank you. 
So basically everyone who's performing this is a med student and the proceeds for us went to the V-Day organization and then also most of the proceeds went to Emma Goldman Clinic, which is one of our women's health clinics in town. Um, And so it was just like really funny. There was like a lot of med students in the audience and like also some physicians and it was just funny to like hear one of these monologues is like ranting against the speculum and like a lot of us are going into like women's health specifically but it's also like one of my like it's like the tool that's associated with your profession exactly and it's like a super important piece of like the physical exam i have like a very interesting relationship with the speculum in this regard like I'm very open-minded to the idea that, like, maybe we'll find something better one day, you know? And that, like, as physicians, we need to realize that for people, like, this isn't... This feels very invasive. Right. You know? And I think it's good to, like, hear stuff like that just so you, like, don't forget it. Yeah. Because it becomes so commonplace that you're like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. this makes people uncomfortable. This is me sticking some piece of metal or plastic into somebody, you know? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, they're, they're, I wouldn't be surprised to know that uh, OB Jins have a sort of, I don't know if love-hate relationship with the speculum is yeah. <laughs> is quite the the phrase I'm looking for, but, you know, it's not something that probably y- y'all think is the pinnacle of yeah. medical technology, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. it needs to be looked at. It's interesting because like, okay, in Sweden, so in the US, when you do like a speculum exam, you give... So you leave the room, allow someone to change, and then you give them a sheet to like put over mm-hmm. to their like knees so that they can feel like more modest or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like in Sweden, there like might be a sheet for you to like, there might be a sectioned off corner of their room where you can change. But like as physicians, you never leave the room while they're changing and you don't give them a sheet like for when they're examined. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that, like, so that you can include the woman as a part of the exam, hmm. as opposed to, like, Blocking creating this, off. like, yeah, like, dissonance between, like, what's going on down here and, like, like having them be a part of what you're doing, sort of. Well, there may be a different, a different uh, culture around things like uh, nudity and things like that in, in Sweden, maybe. But, like, that's how it was framed to us when they told us about it. Like, it's so that you're, the woman feels like she's part of the exam. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's just I'm interesting, like very you know? I'm, confused about that, though. I just, like, I guess I just, like, don't understand how changing in front of my physician makes me empowered. Like, As I don't know. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. And, like I said, I don't know that it's right or wrong, but different way of doing things. i mean it yeah. feels just like more i think for them and this is obviously like speculation it's more like pr- of a practical thing yeah as opposed to like but the like whole not giving them a sheet basically is about like having them be a part of their that okay that part exam. actually makes more sense to me like if you can see more of what's going on right but yeah um it was like interesting though. So in this monologue, she likes. I think this is probably where we'll spend most of our time because it's like the most of application to our lives. But um, so she talks about like how it's like cold and how like you know like some providers just like kind of forcefully like shove it in there, if you will. Um, but like 
one of my this is like before I was in med school one of my like mentors who's a physician in Pella she's like when I came here I demanded like I told them I wouldn't come here unless I had a heated drawer in my exam table for my speculums I'm like yes I'm totally doing that so they like make heated drawers to put your speculums in so they're not cold and also like to put the like lubricant in too so it's not cold because a cold speculum like I just can't imagine that'd be terrible and how easy is that to do I mean to get a heated drawer yeah i well, mean um, it can't be that hard there's like some reason that they can't do it in some places i don't know yeah i don't know it's probably well it's probably like an expense too i mean it's like well, probably expense you know i mean yeah to buy a new but and um at planned parenthood here they have like a heated uh, like a heating pad in the drawer with the speculum in it so like it's like sitting on a heating pad so it's also warm yeah so I like mean, they it don't have like a warming drawer but right. they have like a heated you know it's like heated I mean, but, I, I, there's probably health and safety reasons why it has to be a certain way. I mean, yeah, maybe, but I don't a, know. a heating pad is a pretty low cost yeah, solution exactly. to, to a problem. And like, I also, so like it pisses me off when I see people like be skimpy with like the lubrication. I'm like, uh, do you want that up you? No, <laughs> be generous. Just yeah. put it all on there. I don't care if you get messy, you can wipe it up later, but like you don't i don't know it's just like so much easier and so much more comfortable if you like have a ton of like lubrication and lots of like you know i don't know it's just a lot easier anyway have we talked about Indeed. efforts underway to uh to change the no, spe speculum definitely should. i think there's a i wish I, I knew more about it i think there's a, a group that's looking at uh, a new version of a uh, speculum that yeah, uh, i saw that is this as well Maybe you sent it to me, Dave. I don't know. Yeah. Or I saw it in the Atlantic. I don't know. I, I mean, it's I don't know much about it. Because really, it doesn't look that much different than the speculum itself, the speculum we have now. Well, they. So. I think they were focused on, they were focused on a couple of things. Number one is elimination of the possibility of pinching with the oh, mechanism. Yeah. And number two, eliminating the kind of annoying, jarring sound that a speculum can especially a metal speculum can make when you know fixing it open oh that would be more, a plastic up. speculum but would yes. it be more plastic yeah, than metal yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um there's like a clicking noise yeah that, that's sort of off-putting and yeah it is for sure there's a that's actually interesting because one of our attendings here is like they did a study about this isn't about speculum but about tenaculum which is like a uh how would you describe it it's a tool kind of like a hemostat ish type yeah. thing it's shaped differently right. but it's basically used to like hold the cervix so that like if we put in like an iud or like a like something for suction like if we're entering anything into the uterus through the cervix it's used to hold the cervix so that it like doesn't move when you're so just trying keep to it in position to make yeah. it easier to yeah but it or like keeps it straight it straightens, straightens yeah. it too but it like looks terrifying, but like we've talked about before, how your cervix doesn't have the same sensation as like your skin does. So it doesn't, it feels crampy, not pokey. Mm. Um, but they did a study about like, if you like close it so that it clicks or if you close it so that it doesn't, like you can close it slowly so it doesn't make noise or close it fast and it clicks. And whether or not that like changed people's perception of the pain they associated with it. It's when I had my uh, IUD, I didn't even feel the tenaculum, to be honest with you. Yeah, I did, but it didn't feel, it just felt weird. It didn't feel bad. 
I thought it was going to feel terrible because I've... Because they look terrifying. Because they look terrifying, but it was like, oh, that was it? Like, yeah. But it's different for everybody, too. Some so, in my mind, it looks like a pair of pliers. Uh, yeah, of. yeah, kind of. Okay. But, like... I mean, except, okay, so imagine the, the pliers, like, but the ends are bent to get towards each other. Like, like, right like angles. pinchers? Yeah, like pinchers. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. That does look, that's even it's, worse. Yeah, very, whatever. It's yeah, it looks really scary, but like I said, you're, because you're, the sensation of your cervix is different. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it well, feels different. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I just thought it was just really interesting to like hear that. And it is something that I think about a lot too, though, is like how this is not my patients every day, but it, you know, it is my everyday doing these things. Um, anyway, so we'll move on. So um, the little coochie snorcher that could, this was probably like <laughs> the funniest, my favorite, funniest one. It's about a woman recalling. So she like talks about memories from her childhood starting at like age five, I think. Um, and just like how her vagina was like introduced to her through her mom and like different things that happened. Um and then eventually, like, she's raped. And then when she is older, um, she, like, has this, like, sexual experience with an old, a much older woman. And, like, that's, like, the first time that she really, like, feels connected to her vagina, um, it seems like. This was an interesting one because the version now um, has her at 16 when she is, like, having this, like, sexual awakening experience with this, like, 24 year old woman um but the original version she was 13 Hmm. both of which are statutory rape so it's i don't know it's just like this is like this is a piece i've probably gotten like the most criticism because of that um and there was a line that's like been redacted now but the line says if it was rape it was a good rape which obviously is like extremely problematic Mm, that's a problem um there's one called reclaiming cunt and it's like about the word cunt and how it's kind of like I, we kind of have talked about this before about like reclaiming the word bitch or like, you know, different things like that. Um, the woman who loved to make vaginas happy. Uh, this one's about a sex worker. Um, she's a sex worker for women, for other women. Um, and she discusses the intriguing details of her career and her love of giving women pleasure. Um and there's, like, a lot about, like, the different kinds of moans. And she, like, in- imitates the different kinds of moans. It's a very funny piece. Um, and Casey, who's been on oh God. the <laughs> the short coat, it did this one for us. And it, she, I mean, she was very good. It was, it was very, very <laughs> I can good. only imagine. Yeah. Um, there's one called Because He Liked to Look at It, in which a woman describes how she, you know, never really thought of her vagina, thought it was ugly, and was embarrassed by it. But... Um, had a sexual experience with a man named Bob who she describes as like the most boring person ever um, who liked to spend hours looking at it. And so like she had this sexual awakening experience through that. And then I think probably my favorite piece just because of my profession is called I Was There in the Room. Um, and this is a monologue from Eve Ensler's like personal uh, perspective. Um, and she describes the birth of her granddaughter um, and so she, like, describes the vagina and, like, the life-giving sense of the organ. And I, I just, like, thought it was very good just from, like, my perspective of, like, being a provider who's, like, going to deliver babies into the world. And 
it was very good but did they do the one of like uh refugees yeah 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 yeah, they did so this one is a compilation of testimonies from bosnian women subjected to rape camps because um so the reason why i'm confused is because like at first before they started the show they like played a video from v-day from like the v-day project that was like women around the world and like in situations of like domestic violence and like female genital mutilation and so like i couldn't remember if they did the piece or if i was just remembering that video but i'm pretty sure they did the piece um they also did a piece um that i kind of alluded to earlier so in 2004 when they did the all trans version of this um production um she wrote another monologue called they beat the girl out of my boy or so they tried Mm -hmm. um and they did this piece last night too um which is about a group of women whose gender identity now differs from the gender that they were assigned at birth um and it i mean it's very good and very yeah that was that is another um criticism that the vagina monologues has gotten you know that it's not inclusive in that way yep which it which it yeah is a fair criticism i think um yeah Mm -hmm. and that was actually that was something that i was going to talk about too um going back to like a few episodes ago but the um the march that we did, the women's march that we talked about, um, I can't remember if we talked about it a ton, but like the pussy hats that people made and like a lot of the signs that had like, you know, and like I kind of fall into this trap too. Like my sign had a uterus on it or like ovaries is like trans exclusive, um, which is like a very fair criticism of those things. But I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, when you talk about like, because on one hand, like, the idea of, like, pe- women's vaginas have been, like, very marginalized. And, like, we've talked about it on this podcast of being thought as, like, gross and other. It's another thing to be, like, I'm a woman because I have a vagina right. and my vagina makes me a woman. So, you know, which would be obviously be, like, not include, you know, not okay, not inclusive. So right. it's, like, making sure that you're very, like, I think, conscious of mm that and also like you know listening to trans folks when they say like this is or isn't okay and like you know what i mean yeah and it's like one thing to like feel connected i think everyone eh, i don't know if i want to say that i think that everyone should be allowed to feel connected to like their anatomy and like however that influences your gender right like so like for me i am a cis woman and i have uterus and vagina and like i feel like i should be able to feel connected and empowered from my anatomy and not ashamed of it but like i mean obviously there are like people with like dysmorphic feelings towards their anatomy and they also should be allowed to feel the way that they feel about it and right like yeah i don't know i just think it's like basically what i'm saying is like it's an it's okay for you to like feel proud on an individual level of your anatomy but like that doesn't mean that you should like say that's how everyone needs to feel basically yeah yeah anyway um so then i was just going to talk a little bit about v-day to close up the discussion so like i said v-day was started in 1998 um it's celebrated on february 14th so the v stands for valentine's and victory and vagina 
Um, some people actually criticize it, saying now it stands for violence as well, um, because the V-Day campaign is a global movement to end violence against women and girls. It's a nonprofit, um, which allows for which is, it's good that's a nonprofit. It allows for the performance of the vagina monologues at different places um, to raise money to benefit survivors of violence and sexual abuse. Um, so basically what that means is like instead of having to pay for the rights to perform the vagina monologues, you are allowed to like pre- do it pretty much wherever you want. Um, and you're allowed to like raise money for, you know, this um, this cause. But yeah, so uh, I think I said this earlier, but ours went to like some of the proceeds went to the, um, the V-Day Foundation, but then also most of them went to the Emma Goldman Clinic in town. So yeah, woohoo! There's that. Any other? If you haven't seen it, try to see it next year. It's cool. Yeah, if you live in Iowa City, Med Students for Choice do it every year. Yeah. And they do this all around the all around the world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Should be no shortage of uh, opportunities uh, in a lot of places to see it. Yeah. I'm going to shout out the USA men's curling team. <laughs> they won the gold. Uh, I, it, I love curling. I follow curling outside of the Olympics, and I've personally curled myself. It's a great sport. So what I love is curling, and I love that they won gold. And so if you live anywhere near a cur- curling club, I encourage you to look up the like how-to curling nights because a lot of curling clubs actually host them and they'll teach you how to curl and it's a lot of fun and I love curling. I feel like I've seen more news articles this year yeah. about like the science of curling or uh-huh. the physics of it or whatever. The I don't know. The physics behind it are actually fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I was fun. also intrigued by curling. the fact that there was a doping scandal for the... Yeah, uh, for the Russian. Okay, there was not a doping scandal. There's one Russian guy who doped. Well, it's a okay, scandal but, because Russia got banned from the Olympics this year. I mean, I feel like... I, I mean this not as an attack on, on curling, Corbin. What are, you better watch out. <laughs> Don't you fuck with my curling. Um, so curling, like I've never curled, but I do very much enjoy ice skating. So I feel like I should try curling because I feel like I would probably love it. Um, but curling seems to me like kind of like bowling where like you could do it like recreationally like you could do it and like you don't have to be like super duper good at it to like enjoy yourself or even super fit like yeah exactly like the quote-unquote doping scandal is crazy because it's like okay like guys why you don't need to dope to be an olympic class curler like you just don't yeah yeah what was was the goal it's not like it's not like figure skating where like like you know none of us could like be a figure skater because like i cannot propel myself up above the ice at like however many right you know like that's just like a speed skating like i can skate fast but i can't speed skate like that's you you would break every boat in your body if you tried (laughs) um but yeah like curling is like a much more uh, what's the word I want to say? Like it's like it's a, almost like a, it's it's a more uh, it's like available intellectual like like, in a way. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, just knowing how it things takes work. More strategy. And, it does take a lot of strategy. And there's strategy. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's like all strategy, basically. I mean, actually, it is harder to make the rock go the way you want yeah. than you think. But yeah, there is a lot more strategy to it than you think. Like and like sweeping the ice, like right. that's not just like. A thing they're doing you know like there's science to it and stuff yeah 
And it's like so interesting because like only, you know, like the one person who I think the person who like slides the rock is who's like yelling at them on like what to do. Right. Yeah. Isn't yeah. That they are like caller or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, it's very interesting. Everyone should look into it. It's very cool. I have uh, I have something. Yeah. Go for it. Another television show uh, from the BBC. I love BBC television. Yeah, same. BBC is so good. Um, it's called uh, The End of the Fucking World. It's a Channel 4 production, so it's a little bit more, um, uh, li- a little less uh, Downton Abbey and a little more uh, gritty. Okay. Um, I believe Channel 4 is there, you know, sort of more racy kind of, mm. not racy, not racy, but a little more gritty, a little bit more, a lot, lot more swearing, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Like an HBO type. Yeah. Maybe. And uh, it's about, um, I'm going to try to summarize this. It's about two, I want to say Wait, like. did you say what it was called? Yeah, it's the end of the fucking oh, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's about two young people. I want to say, you know, maybe freshmen in high school mm-hmm. who are complete misfits. Uh, the the boy Jack is um, uh, believes he's a psychopath. He may be wrong, but he believes he's a psychopath. He saw his mother murdered, or he saw his mother commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, of course, that's affected him his whole life. His father is sort of a. a, a you know, sort of ineffectual weirdo. Um, and then his friend who he meets, he, he, he meets her, uh, his primary motivation in, in, in being her friend is that he wants to kill her. But as time goes on, that, you know, doesn't happen, but it follows their adventures, uh, as they try to figure out what the hell to do with their, their lives. So far, only season one is available. That's eight episodes. A little something a little frustrating about uh BBC shows is that you get you know eight, maybe ten episodes, and then if there's another season, you wait 18 months for that season, which drives me a little crazy. But uh definitely watch it. Very entertaining, um, at times scary, at times um disturbing, but um totally cool. Nice. Uh, okay, yeah, you can watch it on Netflix. Yep. Oh, nice. Yep. Okay. That's for what free. I was ask. Yep. Well, for your Netflix. If you're a Netflix subscription. Yes. Thank you for um pointing that out. So the first thing I want to say, so when I so my friend Andrew was at my house this weekend, and not Corbin's Andrew, different Andrew. Um, and he I like told him that I had to go podcast, and he's like, oh, the fallopian files or whatever. <laughs> Which can I just say? <laughs> missed opportunity wow. on our part to call it the fallopian files. We have to we have to make up a segment called the fallopian Maybe files. Maybe that's what this should be. Yeah. yeah. That's what this segment should be. You know, it's kinda like the X Files. Like I feel like you, someone should make like a feminist <laughs> recap of the X Files called the Fallopian Files. Just for that, we have to have Andrew on the show. Uh, I know. I told him he should come with me and be on it. We haven't had a. We haven't had a. Uh, aside from myself, we haven't had a boy guest. No, we so. haven't. Uh, but okay, so my media. This is like gonna be so cheesy, but mine's um, the West Wing. I've. Cur- I'm like on vacation currently, aka like not doing anything in the hospital, and I've been binging the West Wing so hard. But it's so good, and it just like makes me wish for a time when like politicians actually don't you new things and oh, like see, yeah ugh. that would kill me right now yeah. that would kill me it like gives me hope for the world though a i little guess bit. so but boy you know talk about contrast in, yeah in, in uh now that now that we're talking about all this you're thinking i'm like man i have so much tv to watch I, my tv is somewhat limited because i can't like pretty much everything on amazon's off limits because of like licensing 
Yeah. So where you I'm like, are, man, you know. now I need to watch Fortitude when I get back. I need to watch you got a lot of shit to the do. fucking world. I got to rewatch West Wing because I've already watched it once. Yeah. I need to catch up on Veep. Oh, uh, I know. I need to watch Veep. Not um, to mention all of those uh, reality TV shows that you love so well. Oh, yeah. I have so much teen mom to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and then I was also going to say, so I also, if you want... If you watch The West Wing and you are confused about what's going on or you want more, I highly recommend The West Wing Weekly. It's a podcast that like goes along episode by episode um, with Josh Molina and Rishi K. Sherway. Oh. And Josh Molina was on The West yeah. Wing in the later seasons. Um, and so he like knows everyone. So they, I mean, they like have like Aaron Sorkin on regularly to like talk about it. Um, I just listened to an episode with Martin Sheen. What a great um, show that was. Yeah. And it's like, it's really good because sometimes I'll be like watching an episode. And I'll be like, I don't know what just happened. And then I just listen to the podcast and they like explain to me what was going on because sometimes it's like very dense political talk. And yeah, anyway, it's very good. So I highly recommend those two things. Snuck in two, uh, two shout outs there. Yeah, but they're linked. So very, that's very clever. Very clever. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.